Welcome to the Higher Leading Podcast, recorded in the peaceful setting of Serenity Acres, just outside the beautiful village of Covington, Ohio. This is episode 16, and I'm your host, Jay Meyer. This is the leadership podcast that focuses on the key traits of those who lead their lives and others to the beat of a higher calling. Higher leaders are purpose-driven. Higher leaders are servant leaders. Higher leaders are builders of others. Higher leaders make the world and those around them better. This episode is a chalk talk. And instead of interviewing a guest, I will talk on a leadership topic that the good Lord recently laid on my heart. So grab your pen and journal and prepare to capture some valuable nuggets of life-tested leadership wisdom. The other day, I was listening to the Learning Leader podcast by Ryan Hawk, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. And he had Mark Miller, the Vice President of High Performance Leadership, Chick-fil-A, on as a guest. And Mark said something that really rang true with me, and, and, I, and I wrote it down. And, and he said, your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. But, you know, I've heard different versions of that over the years, but it's your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. And if what you just heard caused you to begin to tune out because maybe you're not in a leadership position, stay with me because we're all tasked with the responsibility of leading our own lives. And I always said this many times over the years and leading healthcare pharmacy and talking to leaders that I coach that you can only lead others as far as you've led yourself, whether it's your life, your family, a team, or an organization, you can only lead others as far as you've led yourself. And that thought came to me, it was over 20 years ago, when our pharmacy was looking at some really rapid growth, exponential growth, actually. And one morning when I was working out, good Lord just kind of laid it on me. You need to build leaders within the organization. Everyone can take on leadership qualities and lead from where they sit. The company's going to grow. The company's going to become better because of that. And that's the term that I use, lead from where you sit. And, you know, it, it was a bet. I mean, I, I was placing a bet that as we grew in leadership qualities, the team and organization would grow collective. And that ended up being a recipe for success. As we grew exponentially at a very effective pace over a several-year period. Let's back up here, though. To you, the listener, I want to throw a scripture verse out at you. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I believe, you know, our lives are the race that God has marked out for us. And he's calling us to persevere. He's calling us during this race. If you're moving forward, you're growing. And I've lived long enough to know that God wants us to continue to grow and go until we step into eternity. And like I said earlier, we're all leaders of our own lives, tasked to live the race God calls us to in a manner that is pleasing to him. Let me repeat that. We are all leaders of our own lives, tasked to live the race God calls us to in a manner that is pleasing. To him. As we grow and lead our lives in a more effective manner, those we impact will also grow. Collectively, we improve the world around us by always growing. 
if you got a pen, a journal, a notepad, draw three circles. Draw a small circle, draw a circle around that circle, draw a third circle, and in that middle smallest circle, just write self. That's you. And the visual there, and, and the, the second circle would be your family, or maybe it's a team that you're leading wherever you're employed. And then the outer circle could be like your organization or the greater world. But if you look at that inner circle, and that's you, self, as you grow and expand, what happens? The other circles start to grow and expand, whether it be your team, your family. And that, that's the whole point. You know, Back to Mark Miller's quote, your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. And I think the question is, how do we grow? How do we effectively grow? How do we continuously expand that inner circle? You may recall in episode 14, I talked a lot about knowing and living our priorities. And you probably have heard this on every one of my chalk talks now, but, you know, my top priority is taking care of my spiritual, mental, and physical conditions. I mean, that's, that's a daily practice for me. And as I grow in those three areas, then I become better fulfilling other priorities I have in my life. Once again, picture that inner circle, the self, that's your mental, spiritual, and physical being. And as you grow, the, the other circles around the middle circle could be some other key priorities, your spouse, kids, your job, friends. But as we grow, so grows everyone around us. We make everyone better by improving ourselves. And I talked about this the last time. Acceptance is huge. We can't change other people, but we certainly can change ourselves. We can't determine whether other people are going to grow or not, but we can grow. And other people that hang out with us may grow because of that. I'm going to go back almost 36 years. And for those of you who've listened to all my chalk talks, you know I've learned so much from my recovery journey. But when I got discharged from Green Hall Treatment Center, I had an outpatient treatment plan and it, it was intense. And I think I've mentioned this before. I mean, I, I really had to walk a very straight, narrow line. I was a very sick puppy, had lots of work to do to, to be able to flip the script of the life I was living. But that outpatient treatment plan, there was this laser focus on my spiritual, mental, and physical being. You know, I learned this in the treatment center, prayer and meditation every day. And strengthen my spirit and mind. Did that every day. And I mention this all the time. I still do all that to this day. They also, they knew I was, you know, a college basketball player, an athlete, and really stressed me the importance to exercise, to continue to work myself physically, to get tired, which in turn also would calm my spirit and my mind. Part of this patient treatment program involved having outpatient counseling sessions. First three months, it was called an intensive outpatient. And the last three was a little bit looser. But for six months, I had to go to outpatient therapy two to three times a week, all to help me change my thinking. I've said this before, we don't have a drinking problem, we have a thinking problem. And most of the problems we have in our lives, whether you're an addict, alcoholic, or you bad habits, it goes back to our thoughts. Once again, they were focusing on my mental condition. Another key piece of the outpatient 
discharge treatment plan was I had to have weekly talks with my sponsor. Once again, mental peace, helping with my thinking. I was struggling with so many things back then. I was highly anxious. I'd go in and out of anxiety, depression, and I'd call my sponsor and he would help calm me down. He would he would give me basically tools that I could use to back myself off the cliffs that I would stand on the edge of thinking, I just can't do this any longer. I also was required to go to 90 12-step meetings in 90 days. It was either go to AA or NA, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I mainly went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I had you know, a drinking problem just as bad as my drug problem. And there was lots of wisdom in those rooms. I had to report all this. Also had random drug screens. And I had to report all of this to a guy by the name of Fred Williams at the DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration. I mean, they, they were tracking me. Every week I would make copies of all the activity, everything that took place for me to stay sober that week. I'd make copies, put it in an envelope, mail it to Fred. And, and I look back on that time. And, and that was a two-year period. And when I look back on it, it's like, what was the most? I mean, it was, it was all important. I mean, it was teaching me so much about being accountable, being responsible and doing the next right thing. But, but the key piece of that discharge, that outpatient therapy plan was the 90 meetings in 90 days. Because every day, I mean, it, and I would go to these meetings. I has a little calendar book that I took with me and I would have the chair of the meeting sign it indicating that I was there. And that was part of the copies that I made and would send to Fred Williams to show that I was there. And, and believe it or not, I went to over 120 meetings in 90 days. So my thinking was pretty messed up. But that 90-day period, I look back on that. I grew in accountability. I grew in discipline. And discipline is all about making and keeping promises to ourselves. You know, so it was like, yeah, I'm going to another meeting today and I'm not going to make excuses and keeping those promises. In the 90, 90 meetings and 90 days, I grew in my desire to stay sober. And of course, I was growing in knowledge on how to stay sober because that was the big thing. You know, it's whenever we're trying to change a habit, we got to have the want to, the what to, and the how to. You know, the want to is the desire. The what to is the knowledge. And then the how to is when, you know, you're working with your sponsor, putting these practices to work for you. And the 12 steps are just, they're just a beautiful process to creating transformational change in one's life. And so I had this desire. I knew what I needed to do and the how to was, was by going through these steps. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, Okay, now we're going to go through the steps, but telling you my story, telling you those 90 meetings in 90 days, it's when I started going through the steps, I had a spiritual and mental transformation. Those 90 days completely changed my thinking and my spirit. Those 90 days flipped the script in my head and flipped the script of my life. We become our daily habits. And I think about to this day, like I said, still working my spiritual, mental, physical being, that all started back during those that 90-day period. We become our daily habits, putting good, healthy habits into place. You sit here listening as hopefully you're thinking about what do I need to change? What aspect of your life 
Is God calling you to grow? What is God nudging you to change in your life that will flip your life script to the good forever? I see this time and time again. How many of us want to change and know what we must do to change, but aren't willing to learn how or to put the how into action? Your daily disciplines determine who you are and how well you lead your life. If you want to keep going and keep growing, you must begin this process from the inside out. 90 meetings in 90 days flip my spiritual, mental, and physical scripts for me forever. As I mentioned before, I spend at least 90 minutes every day growing my core beings, growing my spirit, growing my mind, growing my body. Like right now, I'd like to throw a 90-90 challenge at you all. Can you commit to taking care of the three key pieces of your inner being for 90 minutes a day for 90 days? So 90 minutes a day. Let's just break it down. You're sitting here saying, I just, I, I know what I need to do, but I can't do it. It starts from the inside. How about 30 minutes working on your spiritual condition? I heard this a long time ago. Break it into 10, 10, 10. 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of journaling, 10 minutes of meditating and prayer. 10, 10, 10, 30 minutes. Boom. Got your spiritual taken care of first thing in the morning. 30 minutes of mental. What, Jay, how do we improve our mental condition? Well, we put good things in our mind. Read self-help books. Maybe have a gratitude list. Pray over that gratitude list. How many of you ever journaled your blessings? Once a day, just sit down and start journaling your blessings. Here's a biggie. And you can knock this out in 30 minutes. Go help someone in need. It's nothing that helps your mental state more than getting out of yourself and helping others. Or maybe you're a social media addict and you start out by cutting out 30 minutes of your social media time during the day. Wherever that you feel like that time, maybe your first thing you do in the morning is you get on your social media accounts instead of praying, instead of working out. Let me just say, no, first 30 minutes. Man, I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm journaling, and I'm not looking at my social media page. Can you commit 30 minutes a day for 90 days to take a walk, to do some type of resistance training, to take a bike ride? And something that I've been become really good at, because when I train for the longer distance triathlons, there's times I'll go for a five-hour bike ride, and I'll have an audible book. That I'm listening to my headphones, five hours working on my mental condition, five hours working on my now. Now, I'm not telling you to go to that extreme. You can take a 30 minute walk, listen to a podcast for 30 minutes, and bang, you've knocked out 60 of your 90 minutes that you're trying to commit to. Well, here's a biggie when you want to knock out all three, go take a 90 minute walk in nature that checks all three boxes. If you can't become, feel the spirit when you're taking a walk in nature, then something's wrong. Take a 90-minute walk with nature. That helps the body, mind, and the spirit. Now, if you're already good in those areas, like me, as far as the body, mind, and spirit, maybe there are other aspects of your life that God's calling you to grow and expand. 90 days of any new healthy habit will flip your script for the better for the rest of your life. It's never too early or too late to grow. And I always speak from personal experience. 
And something I, I would encourage you to do if you're someone that's tried time and time again and you just can't make this change is write down the desired outcome. What outcome am I trying to make with this change? What does it look like? It could be health related. And the desired outcome isn't so much I'm going to lose 50 pounds or I'm going to start taking better care of my body so I'm more mentally alert. The desired outcome is I want to be the best version of myself when I'm at work, when I'm at home, when I'm at play, or I want to be the best grandmother or grandfather I can be for my grandkids or the best mom or the best dad I can be for my kids or the best spouse. That's a desired income. And then we take it one step further and say, what's the impact? What's the impact we make on that desired income? And that goes back to our circles. As we grow, so grows those around us. I'm going to close out with a story about a gentleman I met about 20 years ago. He was a retiree from General Motors. He worked at Dayton plant for years. He showed up at our pharmacy. We were hiring some part-time delivery drivers. And the guy's name was Fred. Fred applied and instantly he became a rock star for the nursing facilities that we serviced. The nurses loved Fred. We had this saying where we wanted to create raving fans. No matter where we went, no matter who we interacted with, our goal was to create raving fans. And that was to always give 1% more, grow 1% every day. And Fred created raving fans wherever he was. He created raving fans inside the pharmacy. We all considered ourselves customers of each other in there. People loved Fred. Fred was just this dynamic person. And I remember... I had these Eagle Evolution meetings where everyone in the pharmacy would meet with me once a month. We have six one-hour meetings and we were open three shifts then. So, you know, three in the morning, I'm meeting with third shift, but six one-hour meetings throughout the day. Fred, remember the first time he showed up at one of these meetings when we first hired him, he sat in the front row. Now, Fred was in his 60s then. He sat in the front row, had a little notepad. And he's sitting there taking notes. And one of the things I did those meetings is, any you have any questions for me, I'll hang around afterwards. And every meeting, Fred would hang out and ask me questions. And he, I think the thing that, that astonished me the most was, and I think about the scripture verse, Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. I see that stamp on the cover of Fred's life book. And unfortunately, Fred passed 10 years after getting his pharmacy technician's license. Fred, GM retiree, came to work at healthcare pharmacy, part-time delivery driver, was so passionate about raising the lives of those around him, Fred took it upon himself to become a pharmacy technician, and that wasn't easy. It was not easy to take the exam, to study. And it was so cool when I would come in and make my rounds around the pharmacy. And there stood Fred with the other technicians packing the meds and doing his work. And, and I go back to, you know, we all benefited from having Fred. We all benefit. And that goes back to what I said earlier. As Fred grew, so grew the people around him. 
and so grew the world. What race is God calling you to? Where is he wanting you to grow so others may grow too? Where does the world need your help? There's only two steps. Start and continue with a continue runway that's at least 90 days long. When I was telling that story about Fred, when I talked about the Eagle Evolution meetings, that I failed to mention that those meetings, the first half hour, were meetings that basically I'd give updates about progress, the pharmacy, and the strategic plan, and we would go through our vision, mission, and values. And the second half, we studied leadership books. And one of the first books we went through was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, you know, and I would talk to those books and there would be a little bit of homework. And that's what I meant by Fred sitting in the front row taking notes as you know, I'm talking leadership. And it just blows me away. And he is such a great example that we're never too old to learn. We're never too old to grow. And like I often tell people I coach, Keep going and keep growing. Good Lord did not put us on this earth to stand still. So hopefully you got something from this particular Chalk Talk that possibly will inspire you to commit 90 days. And and a key piece, and I mentioned this, it's important to keep a record. You know, think about me and my 90 days, the first 90 days out of treatment, and every week I would make copies of all my activity and mail it to Fred at the Drug Enforcement Administration. I think it's really important to have an accountability person, someone we can check in with or a journal to log our progress. And I know this was, this was a quick one, but I just kind of go with the flow on these chalk talks. I so appreciate you joining us and please share with your friends, I'll tell you nothing, can honor me more or make me more appreciative than if you say to your friends, hey, listen to this podcast. Maybe it'll help you grow. And, you know, I'm always trying to throw a pearl or two of wisdom out there that it's just all about helping you become your best you. And as I prepare to sign off, I'm going to challenge you with my personal mission statement. And that's to grow forward by dreaming more, being more, and living in the light more. Take care. I'll be back. I hope you'll be back too.